Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR when you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boosts every single day. Pick of the week for you this week. I'm going with the all-name team in minor league baseball. There's a number of different options that we can go with here. You can take the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp. You can uh, go with the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, the Omaha Storm Chasers. Uh, there's a couple of them. The Sugarland Space Cowboys might be my personal favorite. Uh, and, of course, the Albuquerque Isotopes for the uh, oh. connection to the Rockies. Sugarland is where uh, every kid in Houston played their ice hockey. There you go. Were you a lot of Space Cowboys out there or what? Sure. <laughs> sure. Anyway, plenty of amazing names down in the minor leagues that you can go bet on. Go over to DraftKings Sportsbook now. Use the DNVR code. And you sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boost every single day and up to $1,000 risk-free bet on a new account for your first bet. So jump on all of that goodness over at DraftKings. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. It is, <clears throat> excuse me, officially day three of free agency in the NHL. Uh, there has not been very much action over the last few days as far as significant names signed, meaning there are still some decent ones out there. We'll get into what that means. We'll get into the cadre conversation. But first, the one signing the Avs have made today is veteran defenseman Brad Hunt. Now, I am a little bit curious where you guys think he slots in because it, it's possible. He played 50 games in the NHL last year. He's been an NHL regular at times across the course of his career. Is this guy a seventh, eighth D, or is this more of a AHL veteran type guy? Uh, porque oh. no los dos. Yeah, both. I think, Fair. <laughs> I, I think he's, yeah, I think he's going to be a top four guy for the Eagles if you get, you know, in a little bit with some injuries. <clears throat> He's got that you can call up who, like you said, played 50 games last year in the NHL, can be serviceable. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I see this guy slotting in behind um, McDermott if they were to bring back a guy like Jack Johnson, something like that, um, kind of in that range. Yeah, I mean, I think he's probably their Jordan Gross replacement. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that injects a little offense into the Eagles from the back end, and um, that's his primary. That's going to be his primary function. 
Definitely a little more of a stylistic fit than a Jack Johnson, right? To start the year, anyway, I think that's where he is. And then if there's, you know, an injury or two along the way, then, uh, you know, he ends up in Denver doing his thing. It's kind of odd because if you just click on his player page, he hasn't played in the AHL in, like, years. Hmm. But (laughs) I just don't think that the Avs are going to go with a 7th D or I guess an eighth D of Brad Hunt. Um, And I like Brad Hunt. I think he's a decent depth guy. He's got a great shot. Um, Of course, goals everywhere he goes. So um, I think it's fine. Like, I like the player. I think he's going to be a good fit with how uh, Colorado wants their defensemen to activate. I think it's a, hey, this will be cool. I don't think he'll be quite as successful as Jordan Gross was in the same system, but... Um, <clears throat> I think he's probably the fact that he's getting a two-way deal uh, says that the Eagles are the Eagles are the plan for him. I think one shortcoming of Jordan Gross too was his defensive at times, especially at an NHL level. And I'm curious if Brad Hunt is going to bring to the Eagles maybe a little bit more defensive tools than Jordan Gross did because he's had a little more NHL experience and reps that might benefit the Eagles a little bit and allow them to continue to infuse offense the way that they did, maybe restructure what it looked like from last year. Because as far as goaltending, the Eagles, both goaltenders when they played were some of the most shots against. And so it was an effective decor, but they were also letting a lot of things happen in their own end it'd be nice for them to continue with the offensive um, side of their game, but they probably could stand to upgrade that department. So hopefully that's something that Brad Hunt could bring to the table. I would say uh, just being familiar with his career that after a couple of years in the NHL, I would hope that his defense has gotten better uh, at the AHL level, but specifically. I think I think his primary thing that uh, you can look for from him will still be offense, but boy, I sure do hope that that end is at least more competitive. Right, because that's where Jordan Gross really <clears throat> fell short, especially at an NHL yeah. level. And I mean, look, there are some limitations there. He's five nine, uh, one hundred seventy five pounds. He's not going to go into the corners and, and crush people defensively. But as you guys said, he has almost two hundred and fifty NHL games at this point. So. There should be some polish there, at very least, on the defensive yeah. side. Please tell me that <laughs> five years of being in the NHL <laughs> every day between practice and, and a handful of games, like, please tell me he's picked up a thing or two that he could take to the AHL. <laughs> and so the one thing that does fog this up a little bit is, obviously, there's been a lot of talk about Jack Johnson and the Avs coming back together for a year here, but that's not done yet, at least in any public capacity. Yeah. Um, if that does get done, Brad Hunt in the AHL makes a ton of sense. If it doesn't get done, then you start to wonder, maybe he's the extra D, something like that. Well, it's a two-way deal, right? It is. It is. <clears throat> and so that that's the one part to me that does just kind of it, – it, it's just kind of a dead giveaway that – I don't think they'd. I don't think they want this guy as their seventh D. Um, I think they're going to try to put someone in front of him. Maybe it's bringing back Ryan Murray, Jack Johnson, going out and getting another guy. But 
Um, BK. Yeah. <laughs> Woo. Uh, to AJ's point, though, like I, I do think this is a nice little insurance signing because I <clears throat> has 200 whatever games in the NHL. Yeah. If for some reason you can't make it work with another one of those depth guys, um, this is a guy that you're at least comfortable with um, being your seventh or eighth, depending on how you feel about McDermott. I mean, I think it's a great point that, uh, look, if, if he ends up as like the ninth or tenth guy on your depth chart, he's got a lot of NHL experience for a guy in that spot, and that's mm-hmm. gonna that's a rarity. Yeah. You're not normally going to have, you're not normally going to get that deep into your depth chart and have a guy who's that comfortable playing in the NHL. And <clears throat> because of how sparingly he has played over the last few years, a guy that's comfortable just being a depth guy understands the, you know, we talked about this with Curtis McDermott, uh, understands coming in and, okay, knowing your role, you're not going to, you're not going to play every day. You're just there to, you know, work really hard in practice every single day, try and get better. And whenever you're called upon, be ready for that moment and understand how to do that. Some guys need the rhythm of playing games all the time to be at their best. And there are these rare birds here that are comfortable. Okay, great. I can spend three weeks on the bench and then I get called up and then I jump into a game and I can, I can handle this role. And I think that's where, that's where Brad Hunt will be able to push them forward a little bit. It's you hope they don't need him, but if you have, if you get to eight, nine, 10 guys on the depth chart, because injuries just kick your ass, at least you're talking about this guy and, you know, you're not talking about, oh, well, Keaton Middleton is on his way back, you know, who was a nightmare in those couple of NHL games he got. It's not just the, yeah, you know, maybe he doesn't play for a couple weeks and then gets into a game. It's also the, in a game, look, he's going to be a third pairing D. He's going to play 8, 9, 10, maybe 11, 12 minutes if it's a good night. Mm-hmm. So it does take a little bit of a different mindset from a player who knows he's not going to get that much opportunity actually out on the ice to actually get things like puck touches. Um, and it's something that experience does absolutely help with in, in knowing how to keep yourself ready within a game, let alone from game to game. Yep. yep. All in all, a sneaky, solid, uh, like down the depth chart edition. I actually really liked this news today. And a two-year deal, so uh, that's yeah. that's a big win for a guy like Brad Hunt. Uh, two-year deals are very valuable currency for cats like that. Then mm-hmm. for the Avs, a little extra security, and you know, if uh, if Jason Megno were to leave at some point, could be talking about an Eagles captain here next year. Yeah. Okay. Um... I know, AJ, you wanted to talk a little bit more about the Eagles, and I'm sure Megan can can jump in on this, too. As it stands right now, they're pretty thin. They haven't added a ton of guys at the AHL level. And now, do you expect more to get done, or is this a, hey, let's hand it over to some of the kids we have type moment? Uh, Yeah, I think it's been a, a mild surprise to me has been how inactive they have been on the AHL free agent market. Um, you know, Brad Hunt, uh, Josh Jacobs, they've added on defense. Um, really at forward, it's just been Charles Udon and Spencer Smallman. 
And Spencer Smallman's not a guy that's going to play in their top, that should not play in their top six. Um, he could be more of like a playing the kind of role that uh, they got out of Ryan Wagner last year. Uh, kind of like that middle six all over the lineup does does a bunch of different things for you. Um, and I think I in, in, until they do more, to me, that it looks like this says we have a ton of forward prospects that are down there. We have a ton of guys that we've drafted. We want to give them the ice time for once. Developmentally, one of the big frustrations over the years is that the Avs have not given all that ice time to prospects that mm-hmm. you get you know, Jean-Luc Foudy playing third line center, you know, like trying to work his way into it. But this year, just with the lack of moves, um, Udon, uh, Charles Udon should definitely play top six. He's a, he's a really good AHL player, very good score, uh, explosive player. He should, he should absolutely be part of the Eagles top six, but when you do have Maltsev and you do have Cout and you do have Oscar Olison and Sampo Ranta and Jean-Luc Foudy, you would really like to see those guys getting the lion's share of power play one, power play two, PK one, PK two, top six minutes and even strength. You really want to see those guys continue to get those minutes. Uh, and with the lack of additions that they've made so far at the AHL level, maybe we finally get that. Yeah, I, so I am, uh, as it stands right now, the shift to me, as we've seen over the last handful of years, one, the Avs have had pretty deep prospect pools, so there's a number of them, but two, they were pretty comfortable with putting guys down in the ECHL as a sort of development path, uh, obviously goalies, but beyond that, too, players like Nate Clerman, etc., is this a is this a shying away from that? Is this a moving towards wanting to develop players directly at the AHL level level a little bit more aggressively, or is this just kind of the room they're in now? Are you asking AJ, or is this just kind of like a it's open okay. open to well, so <clears throat> my thing is I that I keep coming back to here, and and a lot of it piggybacks a lot of off of what AJ was just saying, but I I just keep going back to the Lightning. And how much they have talked about wanting to replicate what the Lightning have done. And, and now they finally get over that hump for the first time. And again, what is it that we've talked about with the Lightning over the last, I mean, going all the way back to 2015? They do it with their own guys. Their core guys are all homegrown. Uh, they, they, a lot of their guys have played for the Syracuse Crunch and they fill in around the edges as needed. I think the Avs are in that, that kind of zone again where it's like, all right, well, like AJ said, Maybe it's time that we do kind of give our, our guys a little bit more of a starring role. We may need a couple of them here over the next few years as we work through some of these cap constraints we have while we wait for that cap to start going up. So maybe you're at a point where you're like, all right, we don't need it. We don't need any of our, we don't need a, a first line winger to come out of our, our development system but we are going to need NHLers to come out of here. We're going to need some cheap contracts, some homegrown guys that we have under team control for a few years. Let's see what we've got this year. Again, and I'm, I'm going to keep going back to this throughout this offseason. You won a cup. You get a year or two where you can experiment with some things to see how you can kind of prolong this window, you know, keep it open as long as you can. And yeah, I, th- I think this is another just kind of 
follow the Tampa Bay model. Develop your own guys that, that aren't your top guys, but that are going to fill in throughout your roster, cheaper contracts, keep you near the top of the league. Megan, you've had the opportunity to see the Eagles and some of these prospects up close specifically. Are, are you expecting players like Foodie, maybe a players like Bokash to really take that next step this season and, and be more key contributors for the Eagles? I think there's like two different tiers for it too, because Foodie is someone that I think would be promoted to, or at least continue on a similar role as he had at the end of last year on the second line. Bocage is someone that kind of straddled between the third and fourth line, so he'll probably hover around there. I guess I'm a little skeptical of what's going to come next, because I would like this to be the moment where some of these prospects do get elevated opportunities. But there were moments for that last season that it just didn't happen. Sam Baranta was anchored to that fourth line, and some of that is evaluated on performance, too. He's coming back from an injury, and they're on the brink of a playoff run, and then they're on a playoff run. So it was maybe not the time to tinker with the lineup and give some of those guys promoted opportunities. But looking at it, it really did seem like they were gun-shy about doing it, so I'm skeptical if that's about to happen. But because the forward group has remained kind of unchanged, it might have to happen. And it's my hope because... Foodie is in a position to have another development year and improve upon what he did last year because he really did improve. Um, but I'm even looking at someone like Martin Kaut, who has been a will-they-won't-they they prospect for so long. It just seems like the time, if if there is a first-line opportunity that's going to become available, it should be Martin Kaut's for the taking. So I don't know. I'm a little skeptical of how this is going to shake out, but for the benefit of the prospects, I hope that's how this happens. Where's everyone out with Martin Kaut? I, I, I kind of officially punted on him about a season and a half ago. Is everyone? He's going to be a solid bottom sixer for some other team in the awesome. NHL. I, I just don't think it's – I don't think about it much anymore because uh, I don't think the team does. <laughs> but when I watch him play, I see an, I see an NHL player. Same. I see a guy that processes the game at NHL speed and – uh, I just I, I do think that at this point, the abs are just not a good fit for him anymore because the the pace that they want to play at is obviously an issue. I think he like you you put him in a put him on a team that slows it down a little bit, throw him into a Minnesota or a Dallas um, that that plays just a, a touch more deliberately than the abs do, and I think that um, or I guess I should say what I think the stars will be this year. Not, <laughs> not what they were last year, but, um, and I think that he would be a lot better fit, but because the abs are go, 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 um, he doesn't, I don't think he's going to be quite as comfortable there. Just to hammer that point home, if there was any glimmer of hope left, it really felt like bringing back Cogliano and Helm, who both fit that high octane, play really fast, just skate really hard yeah. style, kind of buried him. Well, and and then to go along with O'Connor and his contract security, like it really felt like they they didn't even they they didn't even leave the door open this year for uh, a training camp improvement, which is where those guys have to show out, otherwise they get lost in that shuffle. And so is that is that where you guys are at? And Megan, I was I'm sorry, I I, just, I think I kind of cut you off there. Is it is it that he just can't play at the pace? 
because I, 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 it's not that I don't see him as an NHL level player, but like to me, when I watch that kid play and the little bit we've seen him in the NHL, like he looks like a fourth line. I mean, like he looks like a, like Darren Helm now, like you're looking for like fourth line minutes out of him. Just don't get caved. My impression of Kout has been that he could play at that pace. And he has a very young mindset. Um, he plays with so much confidence at an NHL level, but when you see him get NHL opportunities, he does pick a play with more caution. And I yeah. think that there's this perception he has, and this is me speculating, that the, the relationship to the front office has lost trust in him. And he feels that when he gets NHL call-up opportunities, because the way that he plays and shines and gains is with more opportunities. He's less visible if his ice time is limited. And that's what happens with these brief limited opportunities when he does get called up. And that's why his game shines at an NHL level. And he has a confidence there because he does play well. I think he could play for with the avalanche pace, but I think he's lost a lot of his confidence in himself because of relationships with front office. Um, especially after like the injury to his shoulder in the Blue Jackets game and the call-up opportunity at the start of last year. And that's why I think it would benefit him to see a new organization and get a clean state because I think a lot of it is mental for him. I, I agree. Like AJ Greer, yeah. I, the thing with Cout is I, I really like your point about his confidence because from what I analyzed of him when he was first in the organization, he really did seem to benefit a lot once he got comfortable in a certain situation. You could see the lights start to come on for him a little bit more once he felt like he was secure in his role and whatever that may be, the team, the line, whatever. Um, I, I do think I, I tend to lean with AJ where I really think it does come down to, to stylistically. We've seen Jared Bednar often shy away a little bit from, uh, I don't want to, offend anyone but the more intelligent players in the bottom six which is the way Cout likes to play he's very very smart off the puck tries to read plays very effectively and Bednar tends to prefer players that he's not asking them to make intelligent reads all that often he's saying just go out there and skate into stuff and see what happens so that it, it almost sounds like his issue is he thinks the game at a higher level that he can act than he can actually execute it well, and part of Cout's part of Cout's appeal as a prospect, and I think part of the problem that he's run into now, is that he's always kind of been that sort of uh, the player that kind of fills in the gap of whatever line that yep. he's on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because when you watched him, when you watched him as draft year, right, the the thing that really drove him as a first round prospect was his WJC performance, where he played uh, next to Marty Neches and uh, Philip Zadina. Okay, those are two really high octane, really high level offensive players at that level. And Cal was a lot more of, okay, I'll go do the dirty work, but was was arguably the best playmaker of those three with them. Uh, And so he sort of fills that role and then he would go back to his Czech team. And uh, in the Czech Pro League, he was a lot more of your natural like being a goal scorer. Yeah. Exactly, like like play driving uh, wing. He's really smart, good defensively, does everything well. Um, <clears throat> I just think that he's. I think he has struggled in Colorado from having a defined role. And the thing that Rudo's mentioning is that the what what they're what they've asked him to do is not something that he's going to do well just run out there and, and skate into stuff in a straight line as fast as he can. And then, you know, 
try and turn a puck over and then see how it goes, get an offensive zone face off and then go sit on the bench for eight minutes. You know, that's, it's just not really in his wheelhouse. And if they were, if it was a little more tailored to kind of letting him have the kind of letting him play the kind of game that he needs to play, we might see a little bit, but I mean, when we saw his best call up was when really like the first time that he got called up and had that first, bout of success right before COVID shut everything down when they said that they weren't going to continue, they weren't going to, they, they were going to sit him for the rest of the year because of contract purposes. They valued that contract. You saw he wasn't playing six minutes a night. He was playing on the third line. He was playing with a little bit of talent and he was, he was getting to play in more, a little bit more of a consistent role. And you saw some really good things out of him. That's the best that he's shown in the NHL. And I don't think that's a coincidence. So it's not really for me to, to go back to your original line of questioning. Mm-hmm. It's not really for me that I've given up on him. It's that I don't have confidence in the organization to continue putting him in a position that's going to bring out the best in him. And I get where they are coming from. It's not even like a thing where I'm like, right. they're right. screwing this up. Right, right. How can you watch Darren Helm, Andrew Cogliano, and Logan O'Connor in the playoffs and go, yeah, I don't want a whole season of that. Right, yeah, Martin Kaut can improve on that. Give me right. that Martin Kaut and Mikhail Maltsev instead. Total right. unknowns, right? Like, come on, those guys tore up the postseason. Yeah. Yes. Like, it's, you you can easily understand where the avalanche at the NHL level are coming from, but you can also say, look, you've got prospects that you just haven't made use of here. You need to start trying to figure out answers. If they don't get a single NHL player out of this crop, of forwards that's currently sitting in the AHL. It is a massive, massive indictment on their development. And it's a big time failure because they do have to pay 1.25 to keep a Cogliano instead of getting a 950 K out of, out of somebody, you know, out of one of these kids, you're, you're talking about, you need to get cost efficiency from these guys and their inability to do so, so far. It well, is. It continues to be a problem, but you also—it's a balancing act, and you get where the NHL team is looking at it, and they're like, "Well, we're not going to give like five of these guys shots." I mean, come on. Right. Well, oh, go ahead, Rudo. Sorry. I do want to clarify. I think it's a little bit of a different situation with Cout and these other guys. With Cout, the situation feels more like it's kind of too late now. They had three years to give this guy more opportunities in the NHL than they did. And maybe the conclusion there is they give him more opportunity and they they end up in the same spot where they're like, you know what? This guy doesn't fit with what we're wanting to do. And it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But you're left with less question marks if they do that a little bit more aggressively. With these new guys, it is going to be a little bit tougher because they're Stanley Cup champion. There's a very clear goal in mind now that they have to defend it. Mm-hmm. And there will likely be opportunities in the regular season to give some of these kids chances, but it doesn't get easier when you're on top of the league to just YOLO out kids. It yeah. also doesn't get easier when you go and you sign the top college UFA and Ben oh, Myers, right. who's just going to get an NHL job. And again, this is, I don't have any problem with it. I think Ben Myers showed great in his five games. I have full confidence he's on the NHL roster next year. It's all good. I'm not worried about that. But it gets harder for a guy like Coutlate when that job just that potential roster spot right now. If Ben Myers doesn't sign, if he signs with the Wild, signs with anybody else, 
and they don't have that roster spot taken up right now, like Martin, we could be having a Martin Cout. Mikhail You're looking at like, Maltsev and Cout right now. So sure. we're having say... a lot more serious conversation about them, but because Ben Myers is in that spot, you, we're we're like, look, we know Ben Myers is on the HL team. They did not sign him to that ELC. They did not give him bonus money that got right. paid out for playing five whole games. They did not do all of these things. He did not come here to mess with the Colorado Eagles. He's going to be in the NHL. Well, I was going to say, and, and that, that is the one thing, you know, you were talking about if they aren't able to pull an NHL out of their, you know, current crop of prospects. Well, well I agree with you. You, you definitely need to do that. The, part of the reason they've gotten away with it is because of guys like Logan O'Connor, because of guys like Ben Myers, you know, a few years ago, it was Alexander Kerfoot, where they have gotten these high-end prospects for nothing other than money, and they've been able to plug them right into their NHL lineup, and, and, and they've been effective. <laughs> Three really different situations, too. Right. Because Kerfoot, it was like, hey, we're horrible. Come play a shitload. Yeah. And he goes, great. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And uh, with O'Connor, it was like, hey, you're undrafted. Prove that you can do it. Yeah. He tore it up in the AHL. Yeah. Scored like 100,000 shorthanded goals to prove that he was <laughs> ready to be in the NHL. And then, well, then, but he was a guy with like no fanfare. And then Ben Myers was like, the guy. He was the guy in the college market this last year, and the Avs just beat out a bunch of teams, which was a shocking development to everybody in the league. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and so go, circling back to Cout here, here is where I do – frustrated is not the, not the right word, but like, does this not feel like the exact conversation we had about A.J. Greer for three years? He'll go somewhere else and be really good in the bottom six. He, you know, he's just not being put in the right situations to succeed. Oh, they're not giving him the right opportunities. He can't be playing in the bottom six. And now he's on like what his fourth organization oh, and, it, and many yeah, teams have tried him in the NHL. You had the same conversation with Nick Malosh too, that this is right. just the way, this is also the way of prospect development is that it turns out the NHL is really hard yeah. and a lot of, and a lot of guys top out as yeah. this guy's a good AHL player. Right, right, right. And so, but but you do you never know how things could have been different had that guy right. been, hey, don't don't give him six minutes in the NHL, give him ten minutes in the NHL. And when they were bad, they had opportunities to do that. Sure. Now I completely get where they're coming from. This yeah. is this is way less of a complaint today because of where the NHL team is. The situation that they're in is very very different. Back then, the goal should have been trying to develop these guys. And it wasn't. And it was frustrating for people like me because you were like, dude, you're spending all these resources, all this time, all this energy. And then you're just, you're, you're, it's like cutting off your legs just well, at the start of the race. And you're like, why? Right. The hard reality there is you want to give that guy another 15 games, another five, six minutes a night. But a lot of the time with that guy, you're going to give him that and you're going to end up in the same spot instead of it being, oh, there's question marks, I'd like to see him more, we'd be sitting here going, you know what? He's just not an NHL-level player. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and AJ, to AJ's point, which I think is a good point, where you're at with the organization or where you're at with the team right now, you know, it's it's easy to sit here and be like, oh, well, they couldn't do that because they were trying to win a cup, da-da-da-da-da. But, um, yeah, there were opportunities for sure. Uh, 
Real quick, we are brought to you by Green Chef. You can go over there and get your meal kit for any lifestyle or whatever plan you're on, whether it be keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or if you just want more balanced meals. Green Chef offers a range of different recipes to suit whatever you want. I've used them. I've said it a bunch. I think their proteins are absolutely excellent. It's amazing stuff. Significantly better than some of the other meal boxes that I've tried. So I highly recommend you get it. If you're into quality chicken, beef, pork, all that type of stuff, go check all of that out. It's the number one meal kit for eating well. It's also super easy to use. If you've never used a meal plan box before, it's eating a quality meal, but it doesn't take you like hours and hours of setup to do it. They give you everything you need. It's right there. You just put it all together. You cook it. It's done. You eat it. Super great. I can't recommend it enough. My wife absolutely loves it too. So be sure to get on it. Go check it out. Uh, I got it wrong the other day. You can actually get $135 off. They upped it a little bit for you. If you go to greenchef.com to DNVR abs, that is greenchef.com slash DNVR abs 135 uh, and use the DNVR abs 135 code over there to get $135 off across a five box order. Your first box ships free too. So you get all sorts of bonuses there. Again, it's greenchef.com slash DNVR abs 135. If you're looking for a meal box, this is probably the best one that I've tried out there. So jump on it today. Go get yourself some Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. And, you know, when you eat well, when you take care of your body, reward yourself with a little bit of Breck Brew. That's uh, the official beer sponsor of DNVR. Eat some good meals, have a beer, things balance out a little bit, feels good. Of course, I love the Avalanche Amber. I'm a simple man who likes simple things. They also have all sorts of crazy flavors. It's uh, it's the summertime, so the Palisade Peach flavor is back in in fashion. Everyone seems to seems to love those. I've never been a big fan of peaches, but you know, I guess I also have Palisade Peaches on the on the corners here in Colorado, so they're easy to come by. So it's not a unique fancy thing for me. Uh, but go check out Breck Brew. You can go to breckbrew.com. They have a bunch of dope merch, and obviously their beer is amazing. You can find it at your local liquor store. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Megan, you're the authority on the Eagles. Is there anything you wanted to touch on about them heading into this offseason proper? No, I think we pretty much covered it. I Okay. I'm waiting for another shoe to drop. Like my instinct says that there actually should be some changes that are coming. Um, not necessarily anybody like being removed, but we still have to wait to see who's officially returning. And then if there are going to be any last minute additions to this forward group. It is uh, always interesting to be stuck in this window where it's like, all right, here's all these guys. This is what I envision the roster is going to be. And then you get to training camp and no one's on the line you expected them to be. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really curious how it's going to play out. We'll have to wait a month or two to find out, but hopefully it's a good development. Can I just also point out, last point about uh, lack of opportunity here, uh, when you give 11 games to Kiefer Sherwood and 20 games to Jason Megna, yeah. that was your opportunity. Yeah. Uh, I liked Sherwood. I thought he was good in the in the NHL. I really liked the one goal that he scored. <laughs> Not like talking trash. I just no, I, he made it count, man. Pretty I like confident count. smile. I like the way he played. Yeah. yeah, it was good. It was a really important goal. I I know we're gonna get into Kadri and we're gonna get back to Frazier. Do you guys mind if I take us down a 
small little detour here that I know it, AJ will have thoughts as, on. As soon as Megan dunks on your shirt with yes. Jake, you can go wherever you want. You okay. Oh, I liked Sherwood, but I felt like we were on borrowed time. I felt like it was not a coincidence that he wasn't a Bakke. So I felt like he was, he had such a great year. He felt like he needed an NHL opportunity and he was as good as gone as soon as they were eliminated in the third round. I don't know. So I had mixed feelings. He went to about Nashville? Him. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of people went to Nashville. Yeah, they all the Eagles were like. <laughs> We really yeah. like playing together, and we're all free oh, agents. Do you guys want to just pick the same team and go? Double agent thing. They were all being scouted by Nashville at the same time and went in on it together. Yeah. Look, got to trim that budget, all right? They get to scout <laughs> one team. <laughs> it's all we can afford, guys. Make sure make it count. All right, Jesse, make- take us down a rabbit hole here. I just want to, for, for a minute, talk about Lou Lamorello. You guys, you guys met Harry the other day, and we were all talking. I said, does it not feel like this guy's kind of becoming like the new David Poyle, where the way that people talk about him far exceeds what he actually does in terms of making his team any better? If you could turn the like old boys club mentality of hockey into a human being, yes. that's Lou Lamorello. Yes. No beards, short hair. Uh, you know, he, he's got the really strict dress code. He does all of his business. Uh, you know, like last year he had a bunch of free agents that like they all signed, but he was like, yeah, nobody say anything. And it went like a month and a half before they announced any of the signings. It was all at once. And suddenly like you look up and he's kind of trashed a few franchise, like the last few franchises that he's been the GM for. He hasn't done anything since the salary cap went in place. Yeah, uh, I mean, he took the Devils to the Stanley Cup in 2012. They lost it, but... Right. I, I think the point that really drove it home for me was this Gaudreau situation, where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, so Lou Lamorello couldn't sell you on his vision to the point where you decided to go to Columbus. Yep. Yeah. I think that speak, speaks volumes of, about where internally Lou is, Lou is viewed by a lot of players in this league, right. I think. Right. And, and it's not that, you know, I'm saying that, you know, Lou Lamorello's, you know, the worst GM in history, you know, obviously he's got the reputation he's got, but it, it just seems to me like, like you said, Rudo, like it's, he, he's one of like the last remaining beacons for like the old guard and, and eventually it's going to change over. And I just, it's interesting. And, and AJ, I, I, with it being the aisles, is there any, do you have any feelings about this? Just because, again, David Poyle is the other one for me where it's like, okay, can we stop talking about this guy and the trades he pulls off? Because I think the big difference there is that David Poyle has never won anything yeah. in the NHL. He's been a GM for like 40 years. I don't think that's an exaggeration. No, I think you're pretty um, close. Or at I least an executive. I think it's literally been about 40 years that he's been a GM. Um, and he's, Never won a Stanley Cup, and Lamarillo's won three of them, and his teams have been to five uh, Stanley Cup finals. And so I think that that's, you know, great. I I would say, yeah, I would say that the the way that the league has changed, um, he obviously was not successful in Toronto. Um, I I think the point you're getting at here is he was definitely good once. 
And then Jesse's side of it is, yeah, but he's not good anymore. <laughs> I, I, I would say, I don't know. I mean, the Islanders were in conference finals back-to-back years. The last two years before this one. It's hard to, you know, and he's obviously made mistakes. Um, he's a GM. Like, that stuff is going to happen. Uh, but I, I really struggle to dunk on him too hard. Like, I think, I think when you're talking about the level of respect and the level of... Oh, absolutely. Like, the, the reverence for him, like, for everything that he's done and what he's meant to the game. He was a huge part of negotiating uh, the end of the, the big lockout in 0405. Yep. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a titan of a figure in, in hockey's front office world. And so there's that level of respect. Uh, but when you, we get, when you talk, we do talk about him as, like, how good of a GM? Like, is he a top five GM right now? Right now, I, no. I would, I would really struggle with that one. I really would. I would struggle with that one. So because I mean, like the 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 Isles were in the conference final in what nineteen and twenty? Yeah, or twenty and twenty-one. Twenty-two. Um, the bubble in the shortened year. Okay, so I mean, I guess yeah, he had because he, he he gets to the aisles in what 18 off season of 18. So how much of those teams did he really put together? It's just interesting to me because it's a guy, like I said, he hasn't, he hasn't won a cup since the salary cap went into place. And and there's just been a few moves, especially since he got to the aisles, a lot of bigger name, far more bigger names have left than have come in. Um, Again, like Uh... I know, you know, you were saying the other day you got to move on from the Taves stuff, and and again I'm not hung up on it. Doesn't bother me at all. But like you know, there's just there's just some moves he's made in the last couple of years where it's like you got robbed blind of Devon Taves, and you went and gave up a first round pick trying well, to replicate a guy like Devon Taves two years later. I, I think the part that I really struggle with is he continues to make the same move for that third third ish line where I'm going to go get Cal Clutterbuck. I'm going to go get Matt Martin. I'm going to go get, and I, and I get it for a little while, their identity line kind of, yeah, like, it, it worked for a little bit for them, but especially as the NHL continues to move in the opposite direction of those guys, you really start to see the limitations of his yep. addiction to big, strong, tough guy that, it just doesn't work the way it used to in the NHL. Yeah, but then he did go and make a move trying to replicate a guy like Devon Taves, which goes to show you he gets it. Like, he sees, I need a guy like that. And if Alexander Romanov comes into the Islanders and he uh, he does he does live up to the price that they paid for him, nobody's going to care about that first-round pick. Does anybody, does anybody care about the price that it cost them to go get Matt Barzell? No, like you're, you're totally fine with that. Granted, it was a gigantic draft bust and the Oilers continued to be bad, but (laughs) it was, you know, like when, when you, when you get what you want out of a trade, you don't worry about it. Do any of us give a shit about the extra third round pick and the Darcy Kemper deal? Like, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like if he ends up being right about that, if, 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 if Romanov turns into the, the guy that they envision him turning into great. Like they're you're fine giving up that first round pick, especially in this draft class. It's it's all good, but he's got to be right about it. And I think that's where the crux of your argument really comes in: is how often how often is he right? Because so, so he, he, here's a here's a tweet from 
Andy Grazino. He's a radio guy for in Long Island. Since Lou Lamorello has come in, the following players have left. Tavares, Eberle, Letty, Ladd, Hosang, um, Komarov, Dahan, Taves, Boychuk, injury, uh, Halak and Grice. They have brought in J.G. Pajo, Zach Parise, Kyle Palmieri, Zdeno Chara, Andy Green, and then their two goaltenders. It's a lot more talent leaving than, uh, I mean, than staying around. I guess. Andrew Ladd leaving wasn't a bad thing. Yeah, he was uh, bad then. Leo Komarov leaving hey, was a bad thing. It, it, it's a little more complicated than that. But I and like know. Nick Nick Letty leaving at the time, like, yeah, it was time for Nick Letty to go. He's not any good anymore. And so I'm good with that one too. And like to be fair, it, it goes beyond just the GM here, right? Like clearly the vision of Lou Lamorello and Barry Trotz's system worked very, very well together and they made quality hockey teams. Now, since Trotz has left, aisles are a little bit lost at times. It feels like, well, we don't know. We'll see. We don't know what Lane Lambert's going to be as a coach. He's been Trotz's right-hand man for 15 years. He was the guy that finished as the runner up in the abs coaching search. Like we have no idea what Lane Lambert's about to pay. Lane Lambert could be one of those guys that he's he's been ready for a job for a long time. He rolls in and kicks ass. And then are we having this conversation a year from now? Because it's Lamorello that had the balls to fire a guy like Barry Trotz and give Lane Lambert that shot. If it works out, Lou did it again. Lou strikes again. But if it's wrong, then it just continues to, like the slow decline here. But I will say... We're, we're, we're kind of bagging on Lou Lamorello here. He helped kickstart the rebuild of the uh, of the Maple Leafs that are what they are now, where they're at least relevant. Like, Oof. can they get out of the first round? Are they whatever? He's the guy that started that process for them, and that's that process has moved in the correct direction. And then, uh, I don't. I, I the Islanders. You know, when was he? When was he there? Twenty fifteen to twenty eighteen. So he's the guy that drafted. He's the guy that drafted Marner and Matthews. Well, yeah, so but I mean, sounds like he should be a, a draft guy, not a. Draft yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying, like he got he got the Maple Leafs where they are right now. He got them started. I'm not giving him full credit for being who they are or whatever, but he got them started. And uh, while we, you could look at the picks as as whatever. Now, when he took when they took Mitch Marner in 2015, it was a slightly controversial decision. Because Noah Hannafin was the top guy on the on most people's boards at the time. And everybody was like, you need the D. You need the D. You need the D. And he took Mitch Barner over all those guys. A tiny little fella. Like, it was not it was not the decision that we look at it today. Where you're like, Mitch Barner, oh, really hard pick to make. There was, he took some heat for that. So, I anyway, I'm just saying, like, he helped kickstart the Maple Leafs to where they are. It's not like he left them in shambles. And he got the Islanders to he got the Islanders to two conference finals here. Okay. So I, I'm I'm saying like, are we really are we really having a conversation about a guy that can't can't get anywhere? Like David Poyle is no has no. had like David Poyle has had like for this for this conversation for the sake of yeah. this conversation. David Poyle has made one Cup final, and that team yep. has gotten worse every year since then. And he has – how many conference finals has Nashville gone to 
in the entirety of their history because he's the guy that's been at the top. Is it two or is it just the one? So I I, I don't know. I it's either one or two. So it's yeah, not yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, many. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I'm just, I'm just saying. Like, I would still, I would still say, I still think, I would still think that Lou is a, I would have him as a top ten ish GM, but I would have him, I would have him closer to ten. Uh, and, and this, and this mostly comes from what Rudo brought up right when he first started talking about this. Is, is I just stepped back and looked at this Gaudreau thing, and and the Islanders kind of found themselves as like the last ones at the dance without a partner. And, and and that's where I just kind of step back and it's like just one. Wow. Is 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 Lamarillo starting to get into that just because it's been so long, other than the two conference finals? It's been a long time since he's won anything of significance. And it was just an interesting conversation we were having the other day. And I was right. I knew you'd have a lot of opinions on it, AJ, because you see it up close. Like um it's, and it's it's good and bad. Like it hasn't been like, yeah. oh, this is incredible. There have been missteps. We've done good job elsewhere. There have True. been plenty of good things that have happened, but there have also been where you like the Taves deal is like, yeah, bro. <laughs> easy, easy one to club him over the head. With yeah, him, bro. Um, Come on, man. All right, look. Yeah, if the ahead, chat, if the chat wants to win something. The Colorado Golf Association is doing a raffle right now, which you can get in on if you're a golf fan. There are prizes that include uh, stay and play packages at Wailea Blue Golf Course down in Maui. So you can go to Hawaii, Whistling Straits, a Naples golf tour and a Palm Beach golf tour. And as $5,000 of gift cards to Bandon Dunes. So tons of golf winning opportunity stuff there. And, you know, travel to Hawaii and things like that. I guess that's pretty cool. But, you know, the golf is what it's really all about. So jump on it today. You can go over there. Head to coloradogolf.org to get your tickets today. All proceeds benefit the Colorado Golf Association's community programs, including youth, on course, and uh, some other caddy and leadership academies. So be sure to check out all of that. Um, you know, it's great for kids, obviously, to, to play for affordable golf. Sometimes isn't the cheapest sport, so they're helping out with that type of stuff. Again, coloradogolf.org. Go get yourself a raffle with the Colorado Golf Association to win some amazing prizes and, and trips to amazing golf courses. Uh, also brought to you by Athletic Greens. Uh, you know, we got Green Chef. We got Athletic Greens. You got to be make sure you're taking care of your health here. Athletic Greens, super easy to use. It's just one scoop of water in your cup. I say every morning because that's when I would do it, but really it's just once a day. You can do it at any time of day. It doesn't really matter. Uh, it's got 75 different vitamins and minerals, probiotics, all sorts of other amazing stuff to make sure it's keeping you healthy and activating your immune system so you are running at your peak. A bunch of athletes use it as part of their regular routines, so they're staying in shape. You know, it's kind of part of their workout just really helps out generally to make your body feeling good. So jump on it today. You can go over to athleticgreens.com. Uh, I believe it's slash avalanche. Hang on. Let me check. Yep, it is. Okay. So ours is slash avalanche. Uh, to get yours today, uh, when you order today, you can get a year's supply of vitamin D as well as five travel packs. So you can bring them along with you when you go on travel it's it's great stuff highly recommend again athleticgreens.com slash avalanche uh jump on it take control of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance 
third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. We've been beating around this a bit because it's it's drug, drug on for a little bit here. Uh, I want to talk about Dylan Strom as well. But first, I've heard Jesse's opinion. I've heard AJ's opinion. Megan, do you think this cadre situation dragging on longer is good or bad for the Avs chances? I think it's good. I still feel like it's going I don't know how it's going to be feasible, um, but I do think that this is going to probably there's urgency in other teams to solidify their forward group, and that's just going to leave fewer options on the table for Kadri to accept elsewhere, um, and so it might give the Abs a little bit more leverage in their discussions. But they still, there's still a long ways to go, especially with respect to the cap to make this possible for the Abs, but. I'd like to see it happen, but it's not any at all expense either. I don't want them to see them move a really important player to make this possible. Let me ask you guys all this. Do you feel like this maybe has gone differently than Naz and his agent thought it would? Yep. It's not that there's less interest. I think there was a lot of interest, but again, you know, to use the the metaphor that, that, that we hear a lot, like, it almost kind of seemed like the music stopped and suddenly there weren't as many chairs around as Kadri was expecting. And I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of teams went out and, and didn't wait for him to make a decision and, and, and got their plan B or C. Now there's just fewer well, teams around. I think the real crack started to show yesterday when, when the cap said, you know what, we're just going to go get Dylan Strom. Mm-hmm. We're just going to go do that because for a little bit there, it did feel like Kadri was holding up the market. Still does. It, right. There's still Stasny out there. There's still Evan Rodriguez out there. There's still some other options, but I, I agree with you in the sense that it seemed like Kadri thought, Oh, you know, some contender is going to go give me $8 million. And I think he got to market and was like, Oh, there aren't many contenders that can give me that kind of money right, right there. Right. right. Well, and I wonder how much of it was impacted by AJ, something that you kept bringing up all week, the flood of RFAs that suddenly turned UFAs. And there went from several teams looking at, maybe you're going to have to pay a guy like Kadri eight to, we could pay these guys 3.5 each, these two guys, 3.5 each. Um, and and now suddenly the abs are maybe looking like the most intriguing destination. Part of my guess as to why this is being held up is maybe the abs are the most intriguing, but as we've seen in the past from Chris McFarland and Joe Sackick, when they've got a dollar limit, they've got a dollar limit. Yep. And we're not going to move past that. If you want it, it's still on the table, but we're not going to move. Well, and I also think, you know, we're talking about, Oh, uh, is this, the longer it goes, the better it is for the Avs. But let's be honest here. If the Avs wanted to move money for the sake of just moving it, it'd be done. Right. Like if the Avs, if the Avs wanted to, to trade Sam Gerrard for nothing and just, just to get the 5 million out of there, it'd be done. Yep. If the Avs were trying to move Sam Gerrard to move money out. And again, we're just, just cause we've been talking about this for a few days. I'm staying in this room uh, because really nothing has materially changed here with this situation. But if if they weren't if they're trying to move him out, but they're not gonna just do it for free, and they're they're saying, "Hey, we're gonna get something for this," 
that could be that could be playing a role in this uh, taking the time that it's taking too. But ultimately, I think this just comes down to Nazem Kadri just having to make a decision. He maybe didn't get the he maybe didn't get the offers that he that he wanted, and maybe he doesn't have the term or the money. Or he's saying, "Look, if if my best offer is only five hundred thousand more per year than right. Colorado's, I'd rather just go and play with Colorado." Yep. But he hasn't made that decision yet. Is he trying to hold out for a team saying, "You know what? We're tired of waiting. We're afraid that we're going to miss out on options. So let's just do this." I mean, didn't Calgary just live through that? And having just lived through that, don't you think that if they had that sense of urgency to just say, hey, let's do that, then they would It'd be done already. Yeah, exactly. So and for me, I'm just like, look, dude, that this 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 comes down to Kadri knows what the offers are. He knows roughly what he's going to get. You know, there's some negotiating here and there that can still take place, but he's got an idea. He knows what his market is. We're days into this. He knows he knows who's interested. He knows what's happening here. He knows what's up. So it's time for him to just make a decision. And I say that, and I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like I'm like, God, Kadri, just make a decision. He could take all summer if he wants. It's totally his prerogative. But you can't blame teams if they just decide can't continue to wait for this. Yeah. Yeah. If 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 the abs are just like, look, dude, we're not doing this dance anymore. We're gonna go give Evan Rodriguez two and a half million dollars and we're gonna move on. Then that's what they do. So I'm, I know you kind of gave the extremes there, but realistically, how much longer can this go on before Kadri makes a decision? I think I think until those teams move on, because if look, if if the Isles say say the Isles move on, the Isles or say the Flames move on, those two teams over the weekend, he hasn't made a decision, and those two teams decide, I'm out. You know, hey, you know, we're tired of waiting on this. If you were going to say yes, if you really wanted to be here, you'd have said yes by now and you'd be here. But if he he doesn't have to wait, he doesn't have to wait for the abs to move money. You're allowed to exceed the salary cap. So if he's chosen and he's sitting around waiting for a team to make a move, he doesn't have to do that. Mechanically can sign, yeah. Yeah, it's just... I would love to know what the holdup is on his part, because to your point, I don't matter which one of you just said it, you know what the market is. You know what the offers are. Is there a team that's saying, hey, we want to get in on this. Just hold on. And it's a team that he's really interested in. I mean, there was that rumor that nobody was able to confirm that Calgary called him and made him some ludicrous offer. Seven years for nine point five or something. Right, right. And, and and like there's party that sits there and it's like, wow, if that's true, that's a major indictment on <laughs> the city of Calgary. Because if if he actually got that offer, I don't know why if you're Nazem Kadri, you're not, you know, running to your computer to sign that you know, to to get that DocuSign finished. Yeah, you know what docu-sign I mean? Like, sign as <laughs> Yeah, yeah, get that printed so you can get the the picture of you signing and all that stuff. Because no, sh- like, no one's gonna give you that kind of money. Yeah, and if that's your primary objective, man, right? That's still a, that's a competitive hockey team. Like, it's not like that's a sure. that's an also ran. They won the Pacific Division pretty comfortably. So you know, I I just there's there's obviously something going on here that's that is holding this up on his side. 
Um, and I wonder if it has just kind of become because the offers weren't what they thought they'd be. I wonder if this has just become a little bit harder decision because at first it was like, well, yeah, we'd love to stay with the ads, but the money's just going to be too awesome out there. And now, like you said, AJ, maybe it's a million dollars, $500,000 more than what the abs are offering. And it's just like, do you want another shot at winning? Because anybody that can offer you significantly more than what the abs can, they're not going to be close in, in terms of competitiveness. Yeah, it's it's just an interesting spot because it's hard to gauge from the outside what is Nas waiting for at this point. Yeah. Truly. Like what's, there's gotta be something either. He really hasn't made up his mind or he's there. There's something holding him up. And if he hasn't made up his mind, you have to wonder like, what do you want? Right. Right. What is it? What is it that you're waiting for? Like I would be fascinated to know. This sounds like I'm being critical and in no no way am I, am I actually being critical? He has earned the right to choose his team and all that, but uh, and and to take his time and decide it's his, it's his whole future. It's where his family's going to be. It's where he's going to live. All that like it's an enormous decision. You know, it, it's where it's where his daughter is primarily going to grow up. Like this is a really really big decision, but teams aren't beholden to waiting for him either right like you could you you would be totally fine if you were comfortable if you were if you were comfortable just moving on and being like look we're gonna go what we're gonna do is we're gonna go give nino niederreiter a deal and we're gonna move miko ranted in to center and we're gonna put niederreiter on his wing next to arturi lekanen and have the world's most physical and talented second line. <laughs> we wanted you. We wanted Kadri. That was our. That was our ideal. That was what we wanted. But uh, look, uh, we couldn't wait all day. We were worried about missing out on Plan B, Plan C options. You know, which is part of what Calgary's complained about with Johnny Gaudreau making his decision. Is oh well, we waited so long that we missed out on other options and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, okay, well, you also made the choice to do that. And that's where Colorado is right now. Colorado is has not filled that option. It's, they have not filled that spot on the roster uh, at, the, at the second line center. And part of that, hey, you can understand why they're waiting. Nazem Kadri is by far the best guy still out there. You know, in a market right now that has Nazem Kadri and Phil Kessel and John Klingberg and Paul Stasny and Nino Niederreiter and Evan Rodriguez and Sonny Milano and Danton Heinen, Matthias Yanmark, Kelly Yarncrook. Like, come on, Nazem Kadri is the guy that stands several cuts above here. So you can understand why they're still holding out hope and that they're saying, hey, we're going to wait this out. It, it, it is just, it's at the point for me now where, you know, because the, the original question was, does this favor the abs now the longer it goes on? I actually think we're past that. Like, I think the clock has run out where the, you know, it's favoring anybody. And now it's just, I, I, I mean, I think it's like a total free for all, especially after what we saw happen with Johnny Gaudreau, proving more than ever that teams can come out of left field and make a play at the last second and, and, and land the big name. On free agency day, I felt the later we went into the day, the more it favored the Avs. Now I just, I genuinely don't know what to make of this Kadri situation. I've had, yeah. you know, I, I had, uh, you know, hockey last night. It's Friday, right? Hockey last night. 
you know, seeing family and stuff throughout the week. And everybody, everybody's, what's going on with Kadri? And now I'm just straight up answering. I have no idea. I have no clue. It was one thing when Brad Richards and Parisi and Suter, um, you know, Vinny LeCavalier back in the day. Like, it was one thing when those guys took several days to make their decisions. You knew they were going to. Right. Um, this has been a little bit different, though. Because he wasn't the top forward. Johnny Gaudreau was. Uh, and because, you know, there were, because he wasn't the top guy, I think there were probably a handful of teams that were more involved in it than otherwise would have been. And that means that there are teams that that, that tertiary market is waiting to unfold here because the that handful of teams is stuck in the spot right now. It's kind of an interesting place to be. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe this is a really normal thing, and it's just not something that Colorado usually gets involved in. But, like, I I would have no serious objection to what I just proposed. If, if Nino Niederreiter is willing to take $3 million yeah. or whatever, like, okay, $3 million, give him a one-year deal, let him do, do his thing, and then he can go back into the market next year and try and get a bigger contract. Like, that's... That's where some of these guys are. The Nita Riders, the Rodriguez, the Stasnys, the Heinens, the Milanos. These are guys who are like, look, you should probably be taking a one-year deal where you're going to get maximum opportunity to produce and then go into the market next well, year and try and get a, a better deal. The, the silver bullet for the Avs here is no matter what they do, they can go and address any shortcomings of it at the trade deadline. Yeah. They still have the 2023 first. They're... You know, I, I think we all believe, regardless of what they do at 2C, they're a playoff team at very least, if not a straight up contender already. So, yeah, it's something you're looking down the line at as it doesn't have to be perfect. If it is, great, but you can do more work later in the season. Yeah. Um, yeah. We do have a couple super chats to get to here. Appreciate it, Spencer. Uh, $5 from Miss Truly, who says, you guys in a perpetual state of anxiety for the inevitable emergency pod. Also, Megan is a boss lady of boss ladies. Um, I, I, honestly, I'm ready. Just Let's just be done. I wish yeah. it was going to come through while we were on this pod. <laughs> that well, I feel like that's nice. why we've all secretly been kind of like dragging out all yeah, of our like, like thoughts. Maybe, like, maybe he'll sign. <laughs> I think... <laughs> waiting for it to come in or just an update on it. This is the other yeah, thing that we perfect. talked about. I obviously I wasn't on yesterday, but going back two days, it was on trade debt or a free agency day. What is so odd about this is there's nothing. There's nothing out there on this. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty radio silence for sure. Uh, I think we have a couple more super chats. Yeah. Uh -oh. no, there we go. There it is. Uh, real politic for $5. Thank you very much. Likely not a bet Kadri takes, but sign Nas for a year and what we can afford then extend in January when cap hit will land on years with more flexibility. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, Nas isn't going to take a one-year bet on himself this year, I don't think. It just doesn't make any sense for him to. He can, he, he's almost guaranteed to have a worse year. Yep. <laughs> Yeah. So just not really in that situation from Kadri's side wouldn't be wise. I'm sure the Avs would be like, yeah, buddy, come on back for three and a half million for this year. But 
<laughs> I mean, at that point, if you're going to do that, just do it for one. Yeah. What's the difference? If you're already throwing all that money away, <laughs> a couple mil either way, what does it matter? Yeah. Uh, Five dollars from Colton. Do we know why Kadri said no to a Calgary trade the first time? So he, he didn't want to leave Toronto. Yeah, it wasn't about Kadri. It was about, or Calgary, rather. It was about him wanting to stay in Toronto. Um, second line center is a really important part of a hockey team, man. So, <laughs> if you don't think that he's a vital cock. Uh, he might die, but he's a vital cock to the team. Every every second line center is is a really important part. Look what look what happened to Tampa Bay with no Braden Point. Yep. In the in the final, like the, Colorado, the, the best example is the last two playoff years mm-hmm. for the Avs. Yep, Nazem Kadri probably won them that St. Louis series, and then his absence could have cost, very likely, cost them the Vegas series. Yep. Uh, and then two dollars from Cole, who says maybe it's done. Sakic now finding the best trade. We talked about this the other day a little bit. It once the Avs start aggressively asking around trying to find that trade everyone's gonna know okay yeah so Nas is going there yeah well and the other teams that are the other teams that are chasing him would move on to stuff yep but those teams aren't tells you that if if look maybe Nas has decided he just hasn't fucking told anybody no one just watching the chaos unfold yeah he's like you know what I'm just gonna turn my phone off I'm gonna go fishing I'm gonna go I'm going to go play in the park. I'm going to go swimming. You know, do whatever he wants to do. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's nothing we can do but wait to find out at this point. So any final thoughts from y'all three on the Eagles, Nas, free agency, anything else you guys wanted to touch on today? Only other thing I've got is how cool it was to see the picture that they engraved Colorado Avalanche 21-22. Um, I thought that was I thought that was cool. I said it was the first time they've ever engraved the name before it goes out on the summer tour. Uh, player names will be later, but thought that was awesome. And it's uh, I did a did a segment with TDSP and Adam this morning. And he was asking, he's like, "So is the championship euphoria like still going?" I was like, "I'm still working on believing it." Yeah, uh, and stuff like that helps. <laughs> there are times where I I wake up and the first thing I always want to tweet out is. Can y'all believe they actually won the cup, LOL? <laughs> no, I still can't. Still can't believe they did it. It's still weird. It's still yep. weird. Like, it's it's both believable and this weird, like, wow. I'm really going to appreciate this in five years after <laughs> right, a lot right, more right. misery comes my way. Yeah. It just goes to show you it's really hard to, to be happy. Like, in the moment of, like, <laughs> you know that this is the happiest that you can get as a fan of a sports team. And it's hard to just be like, yeah, that's how I feel. Well, my, my favorite is the Nick Saban quote where he said the first time I knew that I was in trouble, I think he said it was his first national championship with Alabama. And the first question that he was asked in his post game presser was, do you think you guys can do it again next year? And he was like, Whoa, (laughs) I I like just got off the field from winning it this year. (laughs) Yep. Uh, it's just been like it's been a fun. It's just been a. It's been a fun off season, dude. Like you have like not having to have the conversations of what do you change, how do you get over the hump, where did it go wrong? Like, like you said, that is something that I think you don't fully appreciate in the moment. That we've just gotten to have fun conversations for the last yeah. three weeks. 
It hasn't been hard. Uh, yeah, it's $2 like... really quick. Sorry, AJ from Colton saying yeah. he did re-up on his Grizz season tickets. Nice. So good call. You're going to get to watch a lot of Trent Minor. There you go. It's called. <laughs> I mean, it's just true with that joke. Terrifizer. <laughs> Tyler Weave. Hey. <laughs> Asked about the Burgundy. Oh, yeah. We sh- yeah. How was the game last night? You're the only one that ended up going. Yeah. It, you know, I'm going to write about it. Um, it was interesting because Team White just didn't play very, like, individually. Sean Barons and Ben Myers looked really good. Um, but Team Burgundy had a lot of the standout players Cam Wright, um, Wyatt Ahmet, Lil Z. Pfizer actually played very well, um, but it wasn't necessarily to the fault of anyone on the white team. Like it's not like Ambrosio looked bad, um, but there were just some shortcomings happening on the white team that were a little difficult to contend against, but I'll go into it too. Like individually Myers and Barons looked really good. Nice. There you uh, go. To answer this last question, Sam Gerard around the league would have a lot of value. I'd imagine a ton, especially given the contract he's on. He's he signed long term at a really reasonable number of five million dollars. He's a he's a bona fide top four defenseman that moves pucks well and is a good and he's a good defender. Like well, he's also got the narrative of value. The the narrative of well he's injury prone is like the most anecdotal evidence argument of all time. Yeah. yeah. It's garbage. Uh he literally had an Iron Man streak that ended with COVID. <laughs> Not even an injury, but with COVID. So, yeah. No. It's uh, nonsense. Okay. Yeah. So, I think we're good there. Obviously, yeah. go get a membership to DNVR if you want to read Megan's piece on, uh, I guess we're calling that the Burgundy and White game now. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> No. Are they still going to do one after training camp? No, they they no. don't. No. They stopped doing them. Yeah, Bednar was like, I don't want anything to do with that. Oh, I really liked going to those. This was they were not fun at all. <laughs> no, it isn't. Uh, so uh, the the OG Burgundy White game is dead. Long live the new one. Uh, go read Megan's piece if you're a member. We're gonna get out of here for the day. We appreciate you all so very much. Uh, we'll be live when Kadri makes a decision and the Avs decide to do something. Uh, Other than that, we will talk to you whenever we see you.